Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am uh, joined today by an esteemed guest. This is the CEO and founder of Sales Bootcamp here in San Francisco, Mr. James Nielsen. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, David. I'm uh, excited to be here. This is great. As we were talking before the show, I mentioned that uh, a real interest of mine for the show is thinking about sales education and just kind of the lack of sales education, especially for folks, you know, coming right out of school and they might have not been quite sure about what they wanted to study in school. Not a lot of universities are, are offering sales education. And, and then there's a huge need for, you know, professional sales development reps and sales people, not only in the tech industry, but throughout the the world, really. And we're not really educating to that. So um, I've had a few of the other folks who are, are doing a similar education program. And James, I've been dying to get you on the show. Tell the listeners about yourself, how, how you got into starting Sales Boot Camp and, and what you're working on over there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I certainly uh, agree with you that it's been interesting that the universities don't really want to touch the sales uh, subject. And if they do, it's it's very minor, you know, maybe one class here or there. And uh, yeah, I mean, just to kind of tell you a little bit about myself. So um, I actually have an engineering background, uh, especially academically spent uh, uh, 10 plus years uh, learning, learning engineering more on the hardware side than the software side. So more of an electrical engineering guy, but um I've certainly written tens of thousands of lines of code, um, and uh, I always knew I wanted to be kind of on the business side of of the uh, of the tech world. I didn't really know how to do that. I thought I'd be an engineer and move my way through the ranks and eventually kind of get over there. and And a lot of my mentors from uh, from the academic side of things were professors, and so they always used to tell me, "Make sure you're an expert in your field, and then you can kind of teach yourself the business side of things." Um, and uh, once I actually started working and got involved with tech companies, uh, I became very intrigued with the sales profession um, and kind of tried to move myself closer and closer to that side of the business, kind of got recruited over into a sales engineering role, and then eventually decided to go all in on sales. And the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, I could, I could talk all day about it, but I mean, I think, um, yeah, I mean, one of the things from being on it from us sales engineering is that you get to be the technical expert in the room. So you get to be customer facing, but you get to solve real business problems. And, um, and to be honest, I was always jealous of the sales reps. You know, they were the ones that uh, got all the credit for closing the deal. They got the high five from the CEO. They got the big commission check. And I thought to myself, hey, I want to do that. How can I, how can I be on the sales team? And, uh, and my manager at the time just kind of looked at me and laughed and said, Hey, you're a, you know, you're the math and science geek. You stick with the numbers and let us, let us pros do what we do best. And I kind of, kind of scratched my head and said, you know, I can, I can teach myself anything, right? So I can teach, I can teach myself how to sell. And so, you know, I went to Google and started trying to figure out how I learned this craft. And I was shocked at, uh, how little information was out there. And I mean, the best, the best advice I got was to go buy some sales books. Um, and as you know, you don't learn how to sell from reading a book. Um, uh, you know, like certainly, certainly can help you, but, uh, it just seemed crazy that there was no way to get, you know, coaching and mentorship, um, other than just kind of sink or swim, right? Just go try to get a job and, and good luck. Yeah. It, it kind of sets a lot of people up for success because, you're sitting there going, okay, I, I, I want to break into the tech field. I, I think that sales would be good for me. 
there's a, a huge need for sales development reps, you know, not only in the Bay Area, but throughout throughout the country, throughout the world. And people, you know, get into it without really knowing what it's all about. And, and may or, it's kind of sink or swim. When you were thinking through this problem and, and educating yourself, how did you come up with the idea of saying, hey, let's let's start a boot camp. Let's give people the tools that they need to be able to hit the ground running. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think, um, you know, I, I kind of came up with this idea. I've experienced both sides of the problem. So, you know, when I wanted to transition from an engineering role into a sales role, um, you know, there was no way to really go about getting, getting mentorship and coaching. And so, um, you know, it was, a it was a challenge that, that I personally experienced. And then, you know, when I did get that opportunity and as I moved through my career and I learned like, like everyone else has learned just by, you know, just by hitting the phones and, and going through the reps. Um, and as I moved into management and built out my teams, you know, I kind of got my first opportunity to manage uh, a sales development team back in uh, Q1 of 2009. I've been, you know, I've been doing that consistently for, for more than eight years now. Um, and I've always loved the sales development role. It's just, uh, I think, especially with my math and, and science background, it's just a, it's a fascinating numbers game. Um, I mean, you know, closing business is a, is a, there's a scientific method, uh, to it as well, but, um, but I've just, you know, I've always kind of been, been, been fascinated with, uh, with how you find entry level reps, right? How do you find them? How do you train them? How do you make them better at their job? And, you know, as I moved through my career into VPs of sales roles, I found it really hard to find those individuals and to train them. And I realized that all my peers had the same problem. And I, just kind of scratched my head and said, if all of, if everyone's struggling to find SDRs and struggling to train them, um, and SDRs and there are people out there looking for jobs who want to be in tech sales and can't earn entry level jobs, it's just, you know, it's almost too obvious that, uh, that something needs to exist to kind of bridge that gap. And that's kind of how sales bootcamp was born. That's amazing. Okay. And, and so you know, your business model for sales bootcamp is, is really interesting. And, you know, tell us about how people can join the bootcamp and what kind of things they experience that you've set up for them to help them prepare for their next move. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, in, in, in our opinion, the best way to learn how to sell is to actually sell. Um, and so, uh, you know, we went through a lot of different kind of, you know, whiteboard sessions and Excel modeling as far as, you know, how do we actually build this program? How long should it be? You know, how do we make money? Where, how do all the moving parts go? And we kind of, you know, we took all those spreadsheets and whiteboard sessions and we threw them out and said, what is, what is the perfect SDR candidate for a sales dev manager, right? Um, if you were to just, you know, create that, you know, kind of unicorn, what, what does Utopia look like? And, um, and I'm sure you've been on those panels and had those conversations around, well, maybe someone from a different industry. So they've had a couple years of pharmaceutical sales or financial services or maybe someone right out of college, but they've at least had an internship at a B2B SaaS company on the sales or marketing team. Or maybe it's someone, you know, people love hiring athletes, uh, competitive and driven and goal oriented. And so we took all of that and said, well, what if you took someone like that and you know, and kind of gave them some experience. And so a lot of sales dev leaders don't want someone with kind of 12 to 18 months worth of sales development experience because, you know, the thought is the best of the best will kind of get promoted after, you know, after a year, year and a half or so. Um, and so it really is a junior role. And what we came up with after throwing all those models away was the perfect candidate is someone that has all that background that I talked about and then got an SDR job went through their 30, 60, 90, got trained, knows how to use Salesforce and all the tools in the sales stack, 
And then that company just all of a sudden went out of business uh, to no fault of their own. And so it was like, here you had this person with like three months of on-the-job experience, had made hundreds or thousands of calls, uh, run through the campaigns, had some experience, already been trained, and yet to no fault of their own is now looking for a job. And obviously after three months, you're not going to move into an AE role. So we said, all right, if three months is is kind of you know the magic number, then how can we create a business model to give the sales dev leaders of the world uh, people that have been through three months of actual on-the-job sales development experience, and so that's kind of how we how we came up with our model. Okay, that is that's amazing. So the the students are training with you, but they're also doing sort of an internship, right, with the companies that you work with. Yeah, we call it a fellowship. So the way that the, the way that the program works is we have a free five-day online boot camp for anyone that wants it. So we're basically Anyone remotely interested in sales development should definitely go and take that course. It's completely free. Even if you already are in the SDR role, you're certainly going to learn a few things there. So we basically flood the entire market into this free online boot camp um, where we teach you the fundamentals of sales development, how to prospect, run campaigns, teach you how to use Salesforce. There's personalized one-on-one coaching. We have online office hours. It's really it's, – it's, it's a pretty good uh, uh, product in, in my very biased opinion. Um, and then what we do is we kind of almost, uh, you know, through a, both, through a process that's both art and science, we kind of cherry pick the best out of the best and put them through our fellowship. And the way that the fellowship works is you're actually placed at one of our partner companies. And so you're part of the sales development team, um, you know, kind of building pipeline for that organization while we put you through this 12 week, 12 module program. And so the way that that works is that we're actually training you during those three months. And so we're putting you through a a series of online video tutorials, assessments and assignments. We do one-on-one coaching every single week. You have uh, office hours every single day. It's really, it's really an intense uh, training program where the fellow is getting an incredible amount of sales training, especially in those first 90 days of their career. And then our partner companies absolutely love it because they have, you know, they have a, an entire organization dedicated to helping, you know, bring that person up to speed and on board and working with them on a one-on-one basis. So, um, so you know, as, as, product, as far as product market fit goes, we've had incredible feedbacks, uh, feedback from both sides of, uh, of, our, of our business, both on the student side and also on our corporate partner side. No, I, I love it. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, it's a win-win for everyone that's involved because on the student side, they can come in and get the, the free boot camp, um, online boot camp to, to just see if it's for them. Uh, you know, it's very low barrier to entry. And then, and then if they get through, they, they get the, the fellowship experience to not only, you know, be involved in a company, but also get the training from you guys. And then on the, on the company side, um, you know, as a former SDR manager, and, um, now that I'm working with companies as a, uh, on a consulting basis, it's, uh, it's always very time consuming. And, and in the back of your mind, kind of worrisome like am i training these sdrs enough are they getting enough attention especially in the first 90 days are they getting enough attention are they getting enough coaching um do they feel really comfortable in what they're doing because you're you're stretched pretty thin as an sdr manager you're you're not only the training and coaching person but you're also dealing with all these other aspects of the job right yeah, that's exactly right. And a lot of our a lot of our partner companies, yeah, you, you, I mean, the, the sales dev leadership role is is extremely challenging. You're 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 usually you know completely swamped, constantly overwhelmed. You have this new hire, and you know that every hour you put into that person is going to help 
build more pipeline and and eventually you know bring more revenue in for the business but you know on a day-to-day basis it's just you know it's it's hard to kind of continue to force yourself to invest in training and a lot of companies I mean, they have like, you know, two weeks is new hire training, right? And it's like you have an hour long meeting with your VP of marketing who talks about the market. You bring your VP of product in. They tell you about the product. You know, you have some, you know, a playbook or, or a Google Doc with a bunch of different archived information. You read some case studies and then it's like, here's the phone. Good luck. Uh, we'll have a one on one every week. And it's just like, you know, unfortunately, that's just the reality. And it's not it's not the fault of the sales dev leader. They just simply don't have time on their hands. And so. Um, you know, to have a, an entire organization there to help work with people on, on an individual basis um, has been very valuable. And as you know, every individual has different strengths and weaknesses, right? I mean, every company is different, but every SDR is different. So you have SDRs who are uh, great on the phone and extremely effective communicators, but their open rates on emails are just horrible. And you have, you have the opposite, which is people are great at communicating via email, and yet they're not really you know, going through the discovery calls uh, effectively. And so we're able to work with our fellows on a one-on-one basis throughout those, throughout those first 90 days. That's amazing. I mean, it just takes such a you know, burden off of the, the company SDR manager. And I, I, just, I just remember I, I went to work for this company and um, I uh, you know, realized that they, they had a sales enablement manager at the company. And, and they had a, a sales analytics person who could help with the data. And I was so excited and I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. You know, I can finally, you know, have some support here on these two things that are, that are so critical to the success of your sales development department. And I went over and I started talking to him and I realized, Oh, they spend all their time working on sales stuff (laughs) for the sales people. They're like, we we can, we can organize, we can give you about 10% of our bandwidth, David. And I was just like, great. Okay. Here we go again. (laughs) Yeah. It's such a, you know, sales training, sales enablement. I mean, it's such a crucial part of the business that is just, it's so easy to deprioritize uh, the resources as far as time and funding and, um, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, the, the big companies are able to invest in it, the oracles and sales forces of the world. But, you know, a lot of small companies are just they're moving so fast that they just don't have time to stop and breathe and make sure that they're actually getting the most out of every single SDR on the team. And, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, the viewpoint of sales development, it's like, you know, uh, folks, I, I mentioned before the show, I, I posted on LinkedIn um, just a, a question. What do you think is the biggest problem with sales development today? And the responses were tremendous. I mean, I got a ton of comments. And, um, you know, one, one of the themes that came through on the comments is just the viewpoint that, uh, you know, executives have of sales development as a function is that it's kind of an entry level, junior level, churn, churn and burn, you know, type of function where, but they, they need the appointments and they need the pipeline. And so that, that part of it is super critical, but then the view and investment in the function is, is not, and which is strange, very strange. And then the other thing that I, I wanted to mention with you, James, is, you know, a few of the comments was there's a lot of finger pointing toward millennials in that, you know, people hire a lot of millennials to be sales development reps. And then when, when the program is, is failing, they go, oh, well, it's because of these millennials, you know, it's a, it sounds like yeah. a grumpy old man. <laughs> like, yeah. And, you know, yeah, I definitely, some, right. What, what are your yeah, thoughts? I definitely, uh, I, I definitely know what you mean as far as some organizations will say, you know, oh, we need to bring on a couple SDRs, 
doesn't really matter who they are. Um, it's just a, you know, it's a junior role. We just need them to go and run through the campaigns, and uh, you know, it is what it is. But you know, you actually do the math on that, and you realize, you know, maybe one SDR supports two AEs that each have a million dollar quota, um, or maybe it's you know, one SDR to one AE with a two million dollar quota, whatever it is. But you know, you're responsible for supporting people a couple million dollars worth of revenue, which you know, if your if your close rates, you know, thirty three percent. That two million dollars in revenue, you need to go build six million dollars in pipeline. So it's like you're going to hire someone to be an SDR, and they're responsible for, you know, four to eight million dollars worth of pipeline. And you're saying that's not an important role in the organization. It's kind of it makes me kind of scratch my head um, if uh, if companies don't kind of uh, prioritize it and respect it because you know we talk about the 10x engineer and these individuals who are just absolutely amazing, and companies are willing to pay uh, you know uh, premium salaries for them. And yet for the SDR role, you know, it's kind of like, well, we don't really want to spend too much money. We don't think it's that important. It's, and then, you know, the companies that are willing to, you know, kind of bring on the best of the best and take their time and not settle during that interview process, um, they're usually greatly rewarded, uh, not only in the short term, but they obviously go on and become AEs and, and do great things. So, um, you know, you're, you're trusting the sales development rep. I mean, that's your first line of, that's your first filter for the organization. So they're literally deciding, uh, which companies to spend resources on for your entire business. And so if they pass off an account that they feel is a good qualified opportunity, you know, that's, you're going to, your account executive, sales engineer, sales leadership, you're about to spend a lot of time on this opportunity because they're saying, here's a qualified opportunity, uh, go and run with it. And from an outbound prospecting perspective, you know, they're going to go identify which companies they think are the best fit for the organization and try to get meetings. And so you're, you're, I mean, they have a lot of power. So, uh, so, you know, for, for those that, you know, kind of don't respect the role probably need to wake up because, uh, they're going to lose, they're going to lose the top SDRs to other companies. Yeah, exactly. And, and, um, you know, look, I look at it, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not an engineer obviously, but if you've looked at, at the, the b- blueprint for the revenue engine, and and you looked at one part and you said um we're going to really underinvest in this one you know l- lever that we have over here and, and just put in you know a piece of crap like a piece of pvc pipe and some yeah, some, yeah. some glue and and then but we're going to really invest in this part over here and and then you know the the pvc pipe thing bursts and you're just like what the hell is going on well right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the, the second part of your question about the generational gap, I mean, that's definitely something uh, I, you know, I always laugh when I read these articles about, you know, millennials and they have all these expectations of promotions and things like that. And I mean, the, the reality is it seems like pretty much every generation thinks they're better than the other one. I mean, I just, uh, you know, I always laugh at, you know, whether it's baby boomers or Gen X or millennials and, and kind of, um, and I mean, the reality is that, Generations are just simply different. It is what it is, and you can point fingers and, and blame individuals, but uh, people were raised differently with different sets of technology and media is different. And so, you know, there's definitely, it seems like from all the research that's out there, this has definitely been uh, backed up that, you know, the millennial generation does have different expectations as far as their professional career, and they do want to see growth and they do want to have outcomes and they do want titles and more money and they're there it's just a different expectations and so um you know it's it's a good bar conversation to chat about whether that's appropriate or not but the reality is like that's the way that uh that you know that's kind of the expectation and that's what people want so you know the people that are managing quote-unquote millennials it's like you can either adapt to 
what they want and desire in their careers, or you're going to lose them and you can complain about it and, and lose out on good talent. I mean, I've actually been extremely impressed with the millennial generation and I love hiring them as SDRs. I think this is one of the smartest, most well-educated, obviously technologically advanced uh, generations ever. And, uh, and certainly, you know, I mean, I've only been around for so many years, but, um, but it's definitely, I mean, it's an impressive group of individuals that are coming out of school and are out there working on your sales teams. And so, um, if they're coached and managed in the right way, then you can get a lot out of them. It just, it just has to be managed properly. So one of the things, for instance, that I'm a huge fan of is these micro promotions, right? So, you know, the joke is that millennials want to get promoted every six months. Otherwise they're going to leave your organization. And, you know, obviously everyone is different and whether or not that's true is to be decided, but let's just say that is true. Then if you know that going in, that your team in general wants to be promoted every six months, you can either come up with a plan to make them happy and enjoy their work, or you can let them leave, right? So, you know, bring them in as an SDR and tell them, if you hit your number six months in a, in a row, you will be promoted to a senior SDR and you will get a $5,000 a year base in your, in, in, or bump in your base salary. And then after six months as a senior SDR, you can move into our junior account executive SMB team. And if you hit your number every month for nine months, you can move into our account executive team. And if you do that for nine months and, you know, even though that might seem crazy to you and I to give someone promotion every six to nine months, the reality is if that's what people want, why don't you like there's ways to go about putting these what I call micro promotions in place so that they know that they're every day that they come in, they're working towards something. They know that if they hit their number this month, six months in a row, they get that promotion to a senior role, a little bit more cost. I mean, $5,000, right? That's less than 500 bucks a month. Um, it costs you as a business and, uh, and you're keeping those employees happy. So, you know, if you go about putting that process in place, what you'll see is that, you know, the millennials will stay with you for three, four years, no problem. But if you don't put those processes in place, then yeah, they're going to leave after nine months for, for an SDR job that will pay them $8,000 more. It's just, uh, you know, we can either complain about it or we can, or we can adapt to the way the world is now. I agree. I was listening to another podcast with uh, Matt Admonson from Everstring, who everyone should be following. The guy's a thought leader in the sales development space. He mentioned that when in working with folks, you know, newer folks that are coming in, that they don't want to just be, you know, set down and like plugged in and, and you know, treated like machines, you know, to, to make 5,000 phone calls every day and send out 5,000 emails. Um, right. And so he's he's created a program where they can kind of circulate through the company and get involved in different parts of the company to as long as they're productive as an SDR, that they, they can have that freedom to kind of circulate and be involved in different aspects. And he's found that that really is appealing because think back. I think back, you know, 20 years ago when I started, I mean, nobody wants to just sit there in a little box with no visibility into other parts of the company. I mean, you're curious and you want to know what's going on. And so he's actually built that in as part of his program and it's helped to keep people around longer as well. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, I mean, like people literally lust for knowledge. I mean, they want to learn, they want to understand everything about it. I mean, I remember some of my meetings with SDRs just even just explaining to them how like series A and series B and, and investing works. I mean, they're just like absolutely uh, infatuated with it. They just want to learn everything about the business. And so there is like this, there's this thirst for, for education um, throughout the business, throughout the markets. And so, 
I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why Sales Bootcamp has been so successful as well is people are just like, I want to learn this craft and I want to be, you know, even if they had, um, you know, we have people who turn down offers from the big companies because they're just like, I want to participate in this fellowship because I want to go through that training. I want to make sure I lay an incredibly strong foundation in my profession so that I can go on and just basically outperform all of my peers, not only in the short term, but in the long term. So it's just uh, people, people absolutely love to learn. And if you give them opportunities to do that, they will, they will certainly take you up on it. I think exactly. And, and, you know, one of the aspects of being a great SDR is a love of learning and a thirst of knowledge. I think that's just being a great, you know, person <laughs> like in your, right. for your career is being thirsty and curious for knowledge and, um, and wanting to improve. And so, um, you know, having a program like yours is, is a, a great first step. Let me ask you something. A lot of the folks that come out of college, they've been there for four years, and now they're getting into the business world, but they may have studied, like I studied anthropology, okay, that's, yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I found it to be really useful throughout my life, but I didn't know anything about balance sheets and credits and debits and like the, you know, the language of business when I came out. So, um, you know, is business acumen an, a part of the boot camp, or is that something that you recommend that uh, SDRs look into because I feel like it's really important in, in talking to companies. Yeah, that's absolutely part of the boot camp. Um, you know, it's, it's a, like you said, it's amazing how people don't, people don't kind of know basic, you know, how businesses are run. What are the different roles? What does a P and L even stand for? Right. It's, I mean, these are things that are often not taught in universities. And so, you know, you mentioned that kind of in the, in the beginning of the podcast around, you know, it's been, uh, it's interesting that the, the two sides, I mean, there's a lot, this is well beyond sales, uh, but there's a lot of, of debate right now um, as far as the gap between uh, co traditional colleges, universities, and professionals, uh, or companies, and both are pointing fingers at each other, right? The, 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 the companies are pointing at universities saying, hey, you're putting all these kids out of school, you know, they're going $150,000 in debt, and you're giving them bachelor's degrees, but they don't have any skills that we want. And universities are pointing at the company saying, that's not our responsibility. We're just trying to broaden their education, teach their brain how to think and learn. And then you're responsible for giving them actual skills. And it's, it's like this back and forth that, I mean, there's articles in the Wall Street Journal almost on a daily basis about this huge disconnect. And obviously, we're solving that for one very specific uh, you know, profession in one very specific industry, which is uh, sales development and, and tech. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it is a... It is a big debate right now in education, and uh, I mean, some people even think the traditional four-year university is just, you know, it's just a matter of time. Uh, it's a it, before it just completely blows up and turns into something different. My personal opinion is going to be a lot longer gradual process, but uh, but yeah, there is there is a huge disconnect in um, in in what in college the education colleges provide and what employers want, and like you said. You know, you got a great education. You learned how to think, solve problems. You can use those skills because you understand the way that people, you know, you know, people think and learn and behave. And you can uh, you can use that for your sales profession. But you know, it's not exactly a a one to one skill set versus experience that that employers want. Yeah, you know, I I remember I had a lot of angst when I was younger about you know I got to get into a subject and specialize in a career and build a career over many years and things like that. And it's not necessarily that you have to know exactly what you want to do, but if anyone's, you know, thinking about a major or which major, you know, should I focus on? 
I mean, learning business and even economics is, is super useful no matter what you end up doing in your life. Just knowing what's kind of going on in the business world and having that vocabulary. I, there's a guy who I'm kind of mentoring and, and he's trying to think of what direction to go. And, you know, I, I let him know, I mean, understanding business, even economics, it's just, just something that you can use no matter what you end up doing, even if you go run a nonprofit or, you know, yeah, exactly. You know, get into no, engineering. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm biased because I just I just love I just love learning. I love trying to uh, acquire knowledge and skill. And um, yeah, definitely advise anyone, whether you're a business major or not, take business classes. I mean, I took three or four law classes in grad school just because I was Figured no matter what I did with my life, I would need to understand the law. So, um, you know, kind of uh, trying to understand as much as you can about the way businesses work and some and, and, and some, you know, just some basic knowledge is, is extremely uh, valuable for your career. Yeah. I mean, and especially just bringing it back to the in sales development. I mean, if you think about it, you know, a couple of things have happened over the last few years is the sales development reps have been equipped with the the same technology that marketing automation companies used to sell five years ago that only the marketing team had but now each individual sales development rep is equipped with this technology that makes it possible for them to send you know templated emails and hundreds of emails to everybody and it's kind of like everyone's getting the same message and you go on to linkedin and there's even sales you know vps of sales who are complaining about getting templates from SDRs. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's like you have to differentiate yourself um, by understanding, at least having a basic understanding of what's going on at the company and crafting the message from a business perspective of how your product or service can make their life better and can help them or understand their pain points. Because I, I think people are just getting inundated with these templated messages and they're just starting to tune things out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's been, uh, you know, it's been fascinating, uh, you know, kind of being involved with sales development since, you know, again, I kind of, uh, uh, built my first team back in 2009 and just how it's changed over the years. And you're right. It's, it's never been harder than it is now. So, you know, for your listeners out there with the SDRs or SDR managers, I mean, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like your job is extremely challenging. Um, and, uh, you know, the thing is, it's funny is I remember actually my, the first sales dev team I ever, I ever built, no joke, their quota was 82 qualified handoffs per month, 82. So they were responsible. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, it's like people, I tell people that and they, they think I'm lying. They're just like, there's no way. And they're like, are you talking about meetings or like actual, like, you know, they already did discovery calls and then they're handing it off to an AE. And I said, yeah, they do full discovery calls. They filter out who's real, who's not based on a process we had. And they were literally scheduling 82 meetings per month and people were exceeding their quota. Right. So that's, you know, that's, that's four meetings a day basically, which, which worked brilliantly back, back then. Right. And it's like, there's no, I don't know any company that's can even, you know, come close to something like that, but you know, times have, times have changed in, in, uh, in a sales development. So, you know, uh, we talk of everyone knows about the referral email, for instance. So I'll give you, you know, um, when I was at Uyala, the first company that I built out a sales development team, you know, we were selling an online video uh, platform, and so online video was was a was a hot topic. Uh, everyone knew they needed it, but people didn't really have video. Maybe they had one thing on their on their website. So we just basically need people knew about YouTube, but there wasn't really a platform, a very popular one for kind of B two B video. 
So we just basically needed to reach out to every single B2B media e-commerce company on the planet and introduce Uyala. And so, um, you know, we used to do, we used to do the referral email. We actually called it the help email. And I, as much as I'd love to think that we were just brilliant, we actually did that because we had no idea who we were supposed to actually be talking to, right? Like who's in charge of video on your website? Is it, is it marketing? Is it IT? Is it someone in engineering? Is it product? Like we legitimately didn't know who we should be selling to. And so what we called the help email, we would, we would blast out, you know, these, these templates, you know, Hey, first name, right? Cause I yeah. worked back then and uh, we would just ask people for referrals and a shocking percentage of, of individuals would respond and tell us who was in charge of video on their website. And then we would email that person and say, Hey, this person referred me to you said you're in charge of video. Can we chat? And they would take our meeting. And it was, it was absolutely amazing. And, and, uh, to think about how, like, if you were to try that today, <laughs> I mean, the response rates would be probably like less than 1%. Right. Um, and, uh, and when Aaron Ross's book came out in 2011, predictable revenue, you know, he's a big fan of the referral emails and talks about that book. Once that book came out, I mean, then everyone was doing referral emails and now it's almost like a joke, right? It's like, um, and also some companies are a little bit sloppy about it because, you know, it's, it's still worse to this day, obviously not as effective as it used to be, but if you're selling a new type of technology and you really don't know who you should be prospecting to, then, then yeah, asking for a referral is a reasonable ask. If you're reaching out to, if you have a demand generation platform and you're reaching out to, you know, the, the direct, you know, the, the director of demand generation and you're saying who on your team is responsible for <laughs> demand generation, it's like, you know, you just lost all credibility, right? Like they know it's a template. You just, that's like literally in their job title. So if you like, that's the kind of sloppy work that you're just not going to get a response to. Um, and, uh, and, and also, I mean, yeah, so these days it's just, you really have to earn those meetings. It's never been harder. You have to personalize them. There, there was a window a few years ago as all these new, you know, these new cadence tools and this technology was becoming more and more efficient. We were running really efficient machines, but it, it, it was, there was a window there where it was almost too easy that then people just got sloppy. Right. So it's like, there was no personalization other than this kind of like, you know, insert first name, insert company name. Um, and so now we've come around to the fact where it's like, I mean, I've, I've talked to, you know, VPs of sales, VP to marketing that literally get 30, 40 SDR emails per day. It's like, even if you have something compelling to say or a cool product, like they're just going to delete your email. So, I mean, you really have to earn that meeting more, you know, uh, more than you ever have before. And, uh, and it's only getting more competitive every day. I mean, it's, it's rough. The response is usually like, Oh, just make more calls or send more emails. It's like, keep doing more of stuff that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Just like, because I, I don't think that we've been able to really measure personalization activity levels. So right. um, in other words, like if you're sitting down and you're going, I'm going to super personalize this. I'm going to go through, I'm going to read like your 10 K I'm going to watch all your YouTube videos. I'm going to uh, find out what's going on at your company and what's going on with you specifically, write you a really personalized email and then, and then give you a call. Like, I mean, that could take a long time and then you get nothing. You still don't get a response. Um, because it just gets lost in the shuffle of everything else. And then you're sitting down and going, okay, we spent a lot of time. There's not a lot of activity recorded. So we don't know what people are doing. Sales floor is really silent and we're not getting any results. 
I mean, I think that that's a big problem that's happening a lot right now with, with yeah. SDR teams. Yeah. It absolutely is. And one of the things too is, you know, obviously based on kind of the size of the business and the, and the growth of the business. So if you're, if you're Salesforce and you're an SDR over there and you're trying to sell, you know, a, a $200 deal, then, I mean, you know, a sales leader over there is not going to tell you to go spend 45 minutes personalizing an email because the ROI is just not there. However, if you're a small company, it's like, I mean, if you're a SaaS business and you're raising venture funds, you're probably not making money as a, as a company overall anyway. So it's hard to really try to quantify the ROI. The reality is you're going to have to work really hard to get meetings uh, when you're early and you don't have a whole lot of traction. And so, yeah, sometimes you're going to spend 30, 45 minutes on an email and you're not going to get a response, but other times you will. And so it's kind of like, you know, how do you go about, you know, I, I used to be a big fan of, you know, if the goal of an email is to ask for a meeting, you should you should ask for the meeting, right? There's a debate within the sales development community, like what should be the call to action? Should you just get to the point, which is if you want 10 minutes of their time, ask for 10 minutes of their time. And if you had asked me four years ago, I would have agreed with you. Now I'm on the other extreme of spectrum, which is like, I would try to minimize the ask as much as possible so that they can literally just, like you're trying to optimize for a response, not optimize for a meeting. Because once you get a response, then you can actually have, have a dialogue uh, with them. So for instance, I know I'm a, I'm a huge fan. One of the things we teach in our program is that you want to, you want to ask them, the call to action should be something where, um, like let's say you're offering a, some, some sort of knowledge or, or, or an asset, right? Case study, infographic, um, something relevant to their space. Like if you're offering them something that they, they're interested to, all they have to do is reply yes, send it along. And um, whether they ever talk to you or ever buy from you or ever do anything, they're interested in whatever you're offering them, right? So if you offer them, you know, uh, so you just came up with some, you know, new research about XYZ, which is relevant for their industry, you know, can I send this along to you? All they have to do is literally say, reply, yes, send. If that's your call to action, then they're interested in that because they're like, sure, what, what do I have to lose, right? This person's not asking for a meeting. I don't have to sit there and listen to their pitch. I just... They're offering an asset that actually piques my interest and happens to be relevant for me, and it was a personalized email, so I know that it's it's actual content. Then, then they'll say yes. Now you can send that along, and you and then when you send that along, have your second call to action, right? Which is you can offer more asset. You can ask them to get on the meeting, um, and then when they don't reply to that, if they reply to that, great. If they don't reply to that, well, once you've actually given them something, you now have something to talk about, which is like, hey, I sent you that case study last week to show you how we you know drive these kinds of results. Um, did you get a chance to read it? You know, you can just simply ask that, or I'd love to hear your feedback on it, or, you know, are you experiencing similar problems with your customers? And so you're asking, I mean, they asked you for that asset and you can literally say that in an email or on the phone is, you know, you asked me to send this to you. I sent it to you. I'd love to hear your feedback. Right. So there's like a, a you know, kind of like a reciprocity happening, which is I gave you something. Now my ask is that either reply to my email or jump on the phone with me for 10 minutes. But you know, it's like you're going to significantly improve, increase the probability of someone replying to you if you soften up that initial call to action. And I know there are people out there probably listening that disagree and say, no way, you want the meeting, ask for the meeting. But it's just it's so hard to get, you know, to get people on the phone these days that I would just like, you know, we, we definitely uh, are advocates of of softening up what the what the actual call to action is um, and just just optimizing for responses as opposed to optimizing for meetings. Uh, no, I, I, I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk, and, and he calls it the the attention economy yeah, <laughs> you know, that we're exactly. in. I mean, we're so overwhelmed. It was since the whole you know content marketing 
revolution came out, we were overwhelmed with really valuable content that that's vying for our attention. And, and um, it's really, if you can get the attention of folks to plant the seed, that you're a value added resource for them and you, you're, you have something of value, it might not be time to take a meeting right now if you don't have a pain point that we can solve, but you're somebody who cares and is adding value to them. And, and then eventually you're, you, you have to ask for something because you're in business, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? You're trying right. to feed your family. And, and then the other quick thing that, that that brings up in my mind is Grant Cardone, who is like the king of the attention economy. And yeah, at first yeah. I looked at him and I'm like, oh, my God, you know. But <laughs> I started to watch him and he, he, he actually is a really interesting guy. So if you if you looked at him and blew him off, I, I would take another look and because he's it's actually really interesting and I've learned a lot from him his content. And one of the things that he said is it's 80 20, uh, almost 80 percent of value creation, helping moving people along, helping them solve their problems, you know, creating things that they can use in their daily life to get better. And then there's a 20 percent where you come in and. And, and you say, oh, by the way, you know, I can help you. Let's take a meeting. Let's look at my product, et cetera. So that's something that I've been thinking about. Yeah, definitely. I'm a, I'm a fan of Grant's uh, uh, videos and, and content. I think it's, it's great to get a perspective of a proven sales leader from other industries as well, right? It's, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's fascinating to see what works in other industries. You know, I've been spending a lot of time researching like pharmaceutical sales and financial service sales just because I'm curious of how those businesses are run because my whole career has been in, in tech sales, but it's just, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think there's a lot we can learn from, from other individuals outside of, outside of the tech space. I totally agree. And, and not, not only in the, uh, you know, you come from an engineering background, but not only in the sales and marketing arena, I, I, I do it myself. I'm like, obsessed with sales and marketing. So I, you know, really get tunnel vision. That's all that I read. And that's all I talk about all that I learn about. Right. But it's, sometimes it's great to, you know, pick up a book about, you know, uh, Bougainvillea raising or, you know, just something completely out of your expertise, because, um, you know, you, you kind of connect the dots later and you can bring new ideas. I mean, it sounds like we need some fresh ideas on the sales development space. And so, you know, that's one way to just get out of your comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We have, uh, and, you know, we're, we're certainly doing that. We have, we have some, some kind of crazy non-conventional things. Uh, some of our secrets I won't share. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one thing to really think about is, is kind of, as far as the, you know, kind of customer acquisition cost and, you know, for, for the SDRs out there, you know, maybe even asking your, your manager or even, you know, head of marketing, like how much, how much do we spend uh, you know, per qualified opportunity. And when you see how shocking those numbers are, then it makes you start to really think outside of the box, which is like, wow, like it costs us a lot of money to acquire a customer. If I knew we were spending that much, then how can I really start to think outside of the box with some non-conventional things? Because you realize that you do have time and resources, um, although they're limited, but what you're, if you're, what you're doing today is simply just not working, it's, it's time to, it's time to figure out what does work and run some experience, uh, uh, some experiments. And, uh, and then when you have a winner, then, then, then go and, you know, rinse and repeat. But, you know, the days of just, you know, calling email, calling email, calling email all day long and everyone, you know, 
gradually the conversion rates are dropping every month and every quarter that goes by. If you're not adapting, you're you're in big trouble as a business. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would raise the red flag, uh, hit the siren, like we've got to come up with something different. I, I I'm reading this is an in mail that I got a few weeks ago from LinkedIn. LinkedIn is just like email. I mean, it's the same thing. This is an unsolicited email. It says, uh, David, my name is blank. And I was wondering if I could get 15 minutes of your time to show you a really cool application we have built. Yeah. And then the name of it, I'd be more than happy to give yo a call at your convenience. Let me know what time works for you. And it's just like, Dude, come yeah. on, man. Yeah. Seriously? It's just, uh, it's, you know, that's 10 years too late. It's, you uh, are. T- that, that, <laughs> that, worked, that worked amazing in 2007. Uh, 2007, you would reply to that. Maybe, maybe not. But, um, but yeah, it's just I, I like, think I would. I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, like, I want to see some cool applications. Right? So it's just, uh, yeah, the companies that are that are stuck in the past, um, they're just they're going to really struggle, and they, they they need some help. So um, if you're if you're not adapting, you're you're in big trouble as a sales development organization. Wake up, wake up, call. All right, James, we're banging up against the hour, dude. This has been awesome. I think for anybody that's involved in sales development, and I appreciate it. What's next for Sales Bootcamp? I know we've got our June fifteenth meetup coming up. What what are you guys working on? Yeah, we're uh, uh, we have very aggressive growth plans. Um, you know, right now we're we're focused on kind of uh, one um, marketing. You know, a lot of our uh, a lot of our the partners that we work with um, uh, kind of come from you know personal professional networks, and so we're out there just kind of getting getting our name out there and letting the sales dev leaders of the world know that you know um, if you're interested in in high quality SDRs that are already trained. We go and take the best of the best, and then we make them better, uh, give them three months of experience. So we're, we've got a lot of marketing things going on right now. And then also, second big thing is just uh, growth geographically. So we have, you know, the vast majority of our business uh, is in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, we have a, a good-sized presence out in New York. But the way that our model is, we can really work with students from anywhere and, uh, com- and companies from anywhere because, you know, they do that five-day boot camp online and then their fellowship is on site. So if you just graduated from Northwestern and you want uh, to do, you know, you want to be an SDR out in Chicago, then we can we can manage all that actually from San Francisco. And so we are now kind of, uh, you know, very strategically tackling, you know, one new city at a time. Um, and, uh, you know, we, 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 we truly believe this is the. This is the this is the future model of how sales development uh, reps should be found and trained. Um, you asked earlier, actually, we didn't really kind of get too much into this about kind of why universities don't have sales majors and and sales platforms. And we kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, you know, that could be a conversation for, for for another day. But I think you know one of the interesting things is I think most people agree that you know the best way to learn how to sell is to actually sell. Like you just it's hard to really get proper sales training done in an academic environment. Um, and I think that's that's one of the many reasons why universities haven't really touched the 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 profession a whole lot yet because it's just hard to get that actual experience. I think that's one of the things that makes our model just so unique within the space is that you are actually part of a sales development team um, while we train you and coach you, put you, put you through our twelve modules, and so you're really getting three months of actual on the job sales development experience while getting paid the entire time. And so um, it's just a way different model than a more traditional academic stand in front of a whiteboard and teach you, you know, teach you how to prospect. And so 
Um, so yeah, I mean, we're out there just trying to evangelize our business and uh, and educate people that you know we believe this is a future of of how sales teams should be built. I love it. I love it. And we're gonna put up a transcription of this podcast, but uh, I think they just go to salesbootcamp.com to get the get going on the the free uh, boot camp and and that that's how they can contact you. Yeah, definitely. Just go to salesbootcamp.com. Uh, completely free, five day worth of sales training. Even if you're already an SDR or SDR manager, sign up for the course. Uh, you're certainly going to learn something in there. Um, if an SDR manager hires a new person, send them over there for, for, for training, right? It certainly can't hurt. It's all totally for free. Um, and, then, uh, and then obviously if there's anyone that uh, um, is interested in um, you know, kind of taking a look at some of our recent grads uh, and wants to, wants to meet them, then you know, certainly reach out to us. We have a contact form. You can, you can find me on, e- on email and LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, if you want to meet someone with three months of experience, that's, that's what we have. Awesome. James, thank you so much and uh, really look forward to learning more about the, the sales boot camp and uh, enjoyed spending some time with you. So thanks a lot for being on. I appreciate it, David. Uh, look forward to seeing you uh, mid-June there. Okay. Bye-bye.